Well, this morning we're going to look together at words in Galatians chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us not become weary in doing good. This morning we're going to think about encouragement for weary Christians. I think there's a sense in which through this uh, time of the pandemic, it's been difficult to maintain our energy and our zeal as Christians. It's as if everything's been on hold. And uh, when that happens, it's quite difficult often to stir yourself again and to get back into normal activity and normal service for the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Christians in every age and generation have faced those kind of problems, those discouragements that come And so weary Christians need encouragement, and that's what Paul has in mind as he gets near the end of this letter to the churches in Galatia. Uh, They were churches established on his first missionary journey in places like Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And uh, these Christians were battling against the world around them, the flesh, their own evil desires, and also the devil and his temptations and constant opposition. And since they had become Christians, they had experienced real difficulties. Uh, There had been persecution. Uh, While uh, Paul was amongst them uh, at Lystra, uh, he had been stoned and uh, had been dragged outside the city thinking he was dead. And so they had seen the persecution which the apostle himself experienced. And after he had gone, that persecution and opposition continued against them as well. And it was a wearying experience. And then also, and this is the purpose in writing this letter, there was false teaching. False teachers had come. Uh, People who were called Judaizers. They wanted to make Gentile Christians into Jews, the men particularly, by insisting on circumcision. And Paul writes this letter to say, no, we're not saved by things like circumcision, external things, and uh, by keeping the law but we are justified by faith. We're put right with God by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and in, by faith alone. And this letter is really trying to help them. But that again was a wearying experience for the Galatians. People saying different things. They were new Christians. How could they know what was true? And uh, they became perhaps confused and Paul wants them to know what the truth is. But these things were wearying them. Things come into our lives which weary us too. And uh, he uses a vivid analogy in chapter 5 and verse 7 where he says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? There they were. They were in their stride, doing well. And then suddenly someone came in front of them and uh, held up their running. And it wasn't easy to get going again, to get back into your stride. And things like that happen in the Christian life. And so really, he's encouraging them to keep going. They're weary Christians. And he wants them to keep going and certainly not to give up. And I think that's always a a helpful exhortation for us too, isn't it? Uh, That we should keep going, running the race, and should not give up. Persevering 
in the Christian life. It's one of the signs that we truly know the Lord Jesus Christ, that we keep going because uh, he's begun a good work in us and he keeps that work going even in the face of difficulties. So let's look at these verses and see some of the things they have to teach us uh, and to encourage us in the Christian life. And the first is this, that Christians are actively involved in doing good. And that's what he talks about. Don't become weary in doing good. The word good in, in the Greek has the sense of beautiful, that which is attractive. You know, when you see acts of kindness, there's something very wonderful about it. Perhaps in COVID, you've seen a, a nurse by the side of a very sick patient, uh, there with all their PPE on, but caring for them, watching over them, watching their vital signs, working long hours. And you think, isn't that a wonderful thing for someone to do? It's a beautiful thing. Or someone caring for an old person who perhaps has has dementia and they don't understand a great deal, but still they're being cared for, they're being loved, they're being treated patiently and kindly. It's a beautiful thing. And Christians are involved in doing what is good, what is beautiful. Our great example is the Lord himself. Uh, in the book of Acts, when Peter is preaching, he talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And we saw an example of that earlier, of how he healed the leper. He did people good. And there are descriptions of people coming with all kinds of diseases. Uh, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, it talks about people with severe pain. Just imagine living in a world where there are no painkillers, but still you experience pain. And demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed. And he healed them all. Everywhere Jesus went, there was great blessing. And people were able to say, he did me good. In the most amazing way, he changed my life. And the early Christians followed the example of the Lord Jesus Christ in doing good as well. The church in Jerusalem uh, was a wonderful example of that. They were persecuted. Uh, they were poor and life was hard but they cared for one another listen to this lovely description of the early christians in jerusalem all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own but they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the lord jesus and much grace was upon them all you see it wasn't just the apostles it was the the people as a whole so there were no needy persons among them. People sold their property and they gave the money to the apostles and they distributed as people had need. And there was that lovely Christian lady in Joppa, Tabitha, Dorcas. And uh, she, we're told, was a woman full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. There's this lady and she's got practical skills and she uses them. And uh, when Peter is there, she becomes sick and dies. And they laid her out in the upper room and Peter went. And uh, when he went to where she was lying, the people told him what she had done. And all the widows who were weeping showed the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. And uh, uh, Peter was there to raise her uh, to life again. But again, you see a woman full of good works. That's what Christians are. That's what they do. 
Earlier in the letter to the Galatians, Paul talks about how he went to meet the apostles in Jerusalem. He had been converted, he'd become a changed man, but they were not sure of who he was and whether he really was changed. And he went to meet with them and meant to tell them something of the message that he preached. And they confirmed that that was the same message they were preaching. And then he says they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Remember the poor. The Christians were poor. Care for one another. Do good was their great uh, concern. And doing good always follows to faith. A person who's come to faith in Jesus Christ doesn't simply tick doctrinal boxes and say, I believe these things. We do that. But it's a life-transforming experience. In his letter, James says, as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds, without works, is dead. If somebody says, I believe, but their life is not changed, he said that you can't truly believe. Now show me your faith without your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. We're not saved by works, but we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and all Christians do good works. It always follows faith. When Paul writes to Titus, he talks about how God has redeemed us through the Lord Jesus Christ and has purified for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, keen to do what is good, zealous to do what is good. And then Paul is picking at that theme and he says, let's not become weary in doing good. And he he says in verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You see the priority. It doesn't say, do good to the family of believers, and oh, by the way, try to help a few other people as well. No, he doesn't say that. He says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those who are of the household of faith. Sometimes Christian care and kindness stops at the limits of the Christian fellowship, but it, it isn't to be like that in the New Testament. It wasn't like that in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus recognized that all people were created in the image of God. Many of the people who came to him were healing. As far as we can tell, did not necessarily come to faith in him as Savior and Lord, but still he did them good. And then there was that special responsibility to those who belonged to the same family of believers. There's a natural kinship, isn't there? Uh, We care for those in our families. We can turn to our families, our natural families, whenever we need help. Well, the spiritual family is even more that case. And uh, we're to do good to all people, especially to those of the family of believers. And doing good takes lots of different forms. Acts of kindness and of mercy to those who are poor or those who are in need, those who are lonely, those who are afraid, those who are isolated, those who are old, young mothers caring for children, and so on. All kinds of needs around us. And Christians see a need... And they respond to that need. It's part of living a life that is holy, separate to God, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. As we have opportunity to telling them the good news of Jesus, praying for them. Do you pray often for all people? Do you pray for your neighbours, the people you work with, the people you go to school or college with? Do you pray for them? And you pray especially for your fellow Christians. And so doing good is something that flows out of a Christian's life. And Paul reminds these Galatians that that's what it's all about. Yes, they do need to believe the truth, that it's 
by faith alone that we come into a right relationship with God. But out of that new life comes uh, a change, a genuine love and care for all people, especially our fellow Christians. So that's the first thing. Christians are people who do good. And then secondly, Christians can become weary and may even give up. Uh, One man says, active Christian service is tiring, exacting work. We are tempted to become discouraged, to slack off, even to give up. And so there are lots of exhortations in the New Testament, not to become weary, not to lose heart. That's one of the signs of weariness. Our heart isn't in it. We, we haven't got the energy, the spiritual energy that once we had. And sometimes we can get overwhelmed uh, by the need around us. And uh, he, he speaks there of not only becoming weary, but of giving up. And the picture in the ancient world of a man who was going to do work is that he would gather his, his long clothes and he would tighten them in his belt so he could do the work. And when his work was finished, he would slacken his belt and the clothes would go back to the normal place. And Jesus is saying, Christians must not give up. You know, the man's saying, I, I've, I'm done. I, I've finished working now and uh, I'm going to go and rest and relax. And he says that we mustn't become weary and so weary that we give up. And there are other exhortations. Jesus told a parable so that people would always pray and not lose heart. We can lose heart in praying. Uh, in the letter to the second letter to Thessalonians chapter 3, he says, do not grow weary in doing good. The same exhortation is here. The writer to the Hebrews, uh, Christians who came from a Jewish background who were having a tough time, urged them to keep going. And he reminded them of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Do you, you get discouraged in your souls? Have you found this time of the, the pandemic a discouraging time in your souls? You know, early on people said, it's great, isn't there more time to read the scriptures and to pray? Has that continued? Uh, and as things uh, continue with all the limitations, we're reminded of it when we're here, the things we can't do. Have you begun, you've been sort of worn down by it? Uh, you haven't given up but uh, you are weary. Uh, Paul spoke spoke about his own ministry and said, since we have this ministry, a ministry of the the gospel, uh, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Because we're involved in this wonderful ministry, we don't lose heart, but we can sometimes lose heart and, and get weary. And what are the things that make us weary in the Christian life? Sometimes it's a, an excessive zeal or a misdirected zeal. Now, we want to do all we can for the Lord. We throw ourselves into it. And before we, before we know it, we're worn out and we're tired. Because spiritual weariness is often linked to physical weariness. And sometimes that physical weariness is, 
is unavoidable. You, you might be a mum with a young baby and you, you're woken up in the night and you feed the baby and you're denied sleep and you get very weary. And that can affect you spiritually. Uh, you have sort of grey days when there's not a lot of zeal or enthusiasm for anything. And uh, sometimes in the Christian life, perhaps there's a time when we, we were all out. We were all for Jesus as we sung, but, but we just got tired and weary and it, it came out of something good, but a, a lack of wisdom in how we serve the Lord. Sometimes it's our human nature, our corrupt human nature, which loves ease and lacks staying power. And we don't keep going. We start well, but we don't keep it up, and we get discouraged. And you see that in all sorts of ordinary ways. You know, you, you think about coming to a service or going to a prayer meeting or whatever it is, and and, and the flesh is saying, well, why not stay at home? Why not sit in that nice, comfortable chair? And there are new temptations for us now because we can both sit in our chair and sort of be involved. Uh, but, you know, there's that temptation and that weariness. And uh, we've got to deal with ourselves in that. And, and it's our human nature and our love of ease. Sometimes it's persecution and opposition. That sometimes comes in the family and in the home. And those we love and who are nearest to us always make it difficult for us. They say to us on a Sunday morning, where are you going? They know where we're going. You're going to church again? And, and that, that opposition sort of wears you down. Uh, you've been a long time. Uh, do you want to read your Bible and pray? And, and it's a constant demand and uh, opposition that, that wearies us. It's like swimming against the current. You know, if you're on a river, if you're swimming upstream, it's hard work. It's tempting sometimes to turn around and say, well, let's just go with the flow. That's what persecution does. It makes us want to give up and just stop seeking to be wholehearted in our service for the Lord. And sometimes it's a lack of support and appreciation from others. Uh, the need to encourage one another. We need encouragement. We know we need it, but others need it too. It may be a text. It may be a, an email. It, it might be uh, a phone call. It may be a card. But do you ever think, how can I encourage my fellow Christians? And when you receive that encouragement, doesn't it lift your heart and lift your spirit? It isn't that you're seeking the encouragement for its own sake, but you need that because we are human. I remember seeing a, an older minister in my first church who had been preaching that evening. And uh, after the service, he went around and he, he thanked the ladies who'd done the flowers and he thanked the lady who played the organ. And well, he just thanked everybody. And I thought as a young minister, I don't do that. I need to learn to do that and to say to people, we really appreciate what you are doing. And sometimes when we don't get appreciation, we say, oh, well, what's the point? Nobody seems to notice whether I do it or not. And we become discouraged. Sometimes it's a lack of immediate fruit. One man says Christians frequently act like children in reference to this harvest. They would sow and reap in the same day. Can you remember being a child and being given some seeds and mum, your mum gave you a part of the garden and said, oh, that's your part. And you dug it over, you put your seeds in and you went in for lunch and came out and you're really disappointed that nothing had grown. You expected them surely to have shot up in the couple of hours they'd been in the ground. We like that as a Christian sometimes. We, we decide we're going to witness or we're going to pray for somebody and we, we want to see immediate fruit. Sometimes there is. Sometimes there isn't, but we, we persevere. We don't become weary. Uh, 
in doing good. And sometimes there's just a lack of faith and love towards God, feeling sorry for ourselves. And uh, we read from Isaiah where the Lord gives strength to the weary because he doesn't get weary. And uh, we need to know who he is and to be confident in him. And becoming weary is a process. It happens over a period of time. Perhaps you recognize that in your Christian life. It isn't just the pandemic. It's something that's gone on for a while. You sort of slow down. Once you are running steadily in the Christian life and you're ready to do everything that you, you needed to do, and now you've just sort of slowed down and you've lost that, that sense of urgency and it's happened. You've been growing weary. It's happened by degrees. It's a consequence of doing good, of constantly seeking to serve the Lord. And uh, we have a a tendency to weariness. And is that true for you? And here Paul is encouraging you as a weary Christian uh, not to become weary in doing good. Because weariness can lead to giving up. And perhaps you've experienced that at times. Or you know Christians who have. You know, they used to come along regularly. They don't come anymore. They had that process of growing weary. And now they say, well, what's the point? Why bother? Doesn't make any difference, does it? Yes, it does. It makes all the difference. And uh, Paul talks about reaping a harvest. And we, we drove to North Wales uh, this week for the funeral of a dear friend. And as we were driving along the borders, uh, we saw the fields, the rapeseed, and then the fields that had been ploughed and harrowed and uh, had been sown. And the farmers were hard at work. And... Uh, That's how the the crops come. But sometimes farmers can become disheartened. They've got all kinds of problems that come. And you can imagine a a farmer saying, well, you know, I I sowed the very best seed last year and I gave it all my attention. I didn't really get much of a harvest. So, So this year, I'll sow poorer seed and I'll sow less of it. What will be the consequence? Inevitably, a poorer harvest. Paul is saying, no, we will reap a harvest. And then he says, if we do not give up. Sowing is vital to the harvest. And uh, reaping follows sowing. And uh, we've got to persevere in that. But perhaps you can say, yes, I, I become weary in the Christian life. And can you also say, there are times when I almost give up. And Paul is saying, don't. Give up. Recognize the weariness and seek the Lord for the strength and the grace that you know, need to know in order to continue in serving him. And then lastly, uh, Christians are those who do good. They can become weary and give up. And then thirdly, we can confidently anticipate a time of reaping. Uh, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we continue We will reap. Reaping always follows faithful sowing. And that harvest comes at God's appointed time. There's a moment that that happens. You know, sometimes you're praying for someone to come to faith. And you pray for a long time and nothing much seems to happen. But then suddenly it happens. A good friend of ours a few years ago who had been praying for his son, who by this time was in his 50s, who'd grown up in chapel, and then gone away and really shown no interest in the faith, he was suddenly 
converted. What happened? It was God's time. At the pro- there's a time to harvest, and there's a time uh, for reaping, following the sowing. And now is God's time for us to do good. We knew a lady in North Wales who was uh, converted in the mid-1970s, and her husband was not a Christian. And she carried on uh, living as a Christian, witnessing to him by her life as well as her words. And it was 25 years later that her husband came to faith. But you can imagine that through those 25 years, there there were lots of times of doubt, lots of times of uncertainty. Or it could be to do with children, children who've grown up knowing the truth and yet they've gone away and they've they've gone away geographically not they're not near anymore but paul is saying that at the proper time at the appointed time we will reap our harvest and we've got to wrestle with that discouragement but believing no when we're sowing one day we shall reap you see the harvest comes in this life it comes in relief and help that is given to needy people It comes in others coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. It comes because we are a witness like salt and light in this world. As we live day by day as neighbours and as work colleagues and as those studying in school, our lives are different. People sometimes say to us, I think you've got something that I haven't got. And we arrest the deterioration in society and we shine as lights to the Lord Jesus Christ and make the world a sweeter and more wholesome place to live in. And that's part of the harvest that we reap. And we also increase people's respect for the beautiful, for the good and for the true, even in dark and desperate days. You know, sometimes I read a a story in the paper of someone who's been very kind to someone, and I try to find out, is that person a Christian? Because it sounds as if they might be. I read a story of a lady who was uh, in a... Yeah, some sort of celebration gathering. And uh, she spoke to a lady uh, who uh, needed a, a kidney transplant. She'd never met the lady before. And she talked with her. The lady said, yes, I, I need a transplant. I'm waiting to find a suitable donor. And this lady said, well, would you mind waiting a moment? She went away. And then she came back and she said, I've just had a word with my husband. And we've agreed that I should donate one of my kidneys to you. And I thought, Wow. For a stranger. And I read on. And the lady went on to say, you see, I know Jesus as my saviour. And I feel that he would want me to give you one of my kidneys. It's not a beautiful thing. It's not a lovely thing. I mean, ordinary people who don't know Jesus can do kind things too. But it ought to be particularly true of us as Christians that we do what is beautiful. So that even when we're physically tired, we're still believing one day we'll reap a harvest. And that keeps us going. In John chapter 4, Jesus was on a journey and we're told that he was weary, he was tired. He sat down by the well and he was thirsty. It was midday. And the lady came, the lady with her well, Samaritan woman, and perhaps you know the story. And Jesus didn't say, sorry, I'm tired. I'm not doing anything today. But he began to talk to her. And this lady realized that he was the messiah and uh, her life was changed and the disciples came back with lunch and said come on let's eat something and jesus said i have food to eat that you know nothing of he was no longer weary because a great work had been done in this lady's life and then through her to the people of her community as well 
That hope of the harvest keeps us going. There's a promise, isn't there? That uh, at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And of course the ultimate harvest comes in eternity. Uh, And uh, when Jesus comes, as we were by the graveside of our friend this week, we, we saw his body laid in the ground in sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our hope at God's time. And so we're not going to give up. And amazingly, one day we shall be ushered into the presence of God himself. And there will be a gracious reward. There will be a reward that we don't deserve, earned for us by our Saviour. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That great reward keeps us going. When we're weary in the, in the race and we're struggling to keep going and we're even thinking about giving up, we, we, we fix our goal on the end of the journey. Who is there? Our God and Saviour are there. And who can describe our master's happiness, which we will one day share? So here's this great encouragement to weary Christians. And Paul is writing to these Galatians in the first century, and you might say, well, what happened to them? What happened to their witness in the Roman world where persecution was constant and vicious and cruel? Well, you know, the Christians grew. And uh, more and more people came to faith, Jew and Gentile alike. And uh, the Christians won the respect of those around them for a number of things. One was because they, they remained faithful even when they were persecuted. They didn't give up. And people said, what is it that keeps these Christians going? They must have something very real if they don't give up. And when you're keeping going, people can see how real your trust in Jesus is, even when it doesn't feel like that. And then they saw that that Christians were very kind to women. And in the ancient world, women were not regarded at all. In fact, one man, as he writes a book called The Triumph of Christianity, says that Christians were so kind to women, it's amazing that all the women in the Roman Empire didn't become Christians because of the contrast between the way Jesus taught his disciples to treat women and the way the world treated them. And then also there were times of plague in the ancient world too. And what did Christians do? Well, they went to care for the sick, even putting their lives in danger. You see, they went around doing good, keeping going, not giving up caring for those who were on the edge of society and not counted, putting their lives at risk in order to help people who were ill. And the gospel triumphed. Amazing statistics. Uh, by f- in 40 AD, there weren't very many Christians in the whole of the Roman Empire. By 100 AD, there were 700 Christians in Rome. By 300 AD, there were 300,000 Christians 66% of the population of Rome were professing faith in Jesus. And in 350 AD, there were 32 million Christians in the Roman Empire, more than half the population. This despised minority, who were attacked and opposed by everyone, just grew. You see, that was God's promise. Do you have that same hope for us to, in all the challenges we're facing? Because the promise is, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not 
give up.